And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These two will be on the patio afterwards, so make sure and uh, ask some questions. All right? All right. Let's thank them. You get one more clap. Well, my first car as a high school student was a 1981 uh, baby blue Volkswagen Rabbit diesel. Okay, it was an absolute muscle car. It was total chick magnet. Um, I would take it and push it to the end of my street and then push it down the hill and jump in and pop the clutch. And that's how I would go to school. Then I'd park on a hill so I could do the same thing going, going home. Uh, needless to say, I didn't, ha- I didn't put a lot into the car. It was just kind of making it. And so my, my thinking, I didn't know anything about cars. I didn't know anything about maintenance. And, and my, my reasoning, uh, for two years, I didn't do anything to maintain the car. And my thinking was, I just can't afford to maintain the car. Well, about two years into owning the car, having never done anything to help it, uh, I was driving home about 11 o'clock at night, getting, uh, coming from Tustin, getting off the 55, driving onto the 405, about 11 o'clock at night, uh, and the car always shook a little, but all of a sudden my steering wheel, it's like, boom, 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 and I could hear this banging sound coming from the engine. I'm thinking, this is not good. Bang, 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 boom, and then the car just done. And I had just had to coast over to the shoulder, park it. It's the middle of the night. And back in those days, so for you guys, there were these things called payphones. And you put a quarter in and you had to call. So I had to find a payphone and then find someone to come pick me up in the middle of the night. It was just kind of a a crazy time. All that, uh, the next day, my uncle comes to uh, with me. We come check out the car and he kind of knew some things. So he pops open the hood. He looks in. He pulls out the dipstick. He looks inside. He's like, Bill, there's not a there's not a drop of oil in this car. Like you have completely blown this engine. This car is gone. My thinking that I can't afford to do any maintenance. Uh, what I discovered was I can't afford to not do maintenance. I was without a car. I was without a, a situation. I had to start all over. The little bits of, of things I could have done just to keep that car going, I was now in a complete place. My, my car had blown up. My life was inconvenienced. It, it, was, it was not a good uh, moment. Some of you feel like that today. You feel the shaking. You can hear the banging, and you are very, very close to things going boom in your life. Uh, If I were to ask, how many of you feel tired today? How many of you would just be honest enough to raise your hand, okay? Uh, Some of you would say, uh, now I won't ask who feels exhausted because we can see it on you, okay? Uh, But if if I ask you that, some of you would say yesterday was just a long day, it was a hard night, but others of you would point to, it's just been a it's been a hard season. Your, your fatigue isn't from yesterday or this week. It's just you're in a season of fatigue. And many of us live our lives at what we might say is a breakneck speed. You ever thought about that word? Okay, it's, it's literally defined uh, a uh, dangerously fast. It makes sense because if you think of the, 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 the words put together, break neck, you're going fast enough that you will break your neck if you, if you stumbled. Many of us are going at a pace, a breakneck pace with our lives, and we feel it. Uh, Bridget Schultz, she wrote a, a book called Overwhelmed. And she was being interviewed by The Atlantic about her book. And she said this, she said, before I began writing 
and working on this book, I just thought life, this is how life had to be. Fast, crazy, busy, breathless. She said, particularly if you are a working mother in the 21st century. Can I get an amen from the working moms in the crowd, right? Yes, Sammy, thank you. Okay. Now, you and I know we're in a tough situation because we live in Orange County. It's incredibly expensive to live here. And so for many of us, we are working, everyone's working as much as possible just to make it. Not to get ahead, just to survive, just to make it. But here, here's what we know, too, about our culture. We don't know how to slow down. We, we can't slow down. We won't slow down. And, and we feel that. We feel guilty if we relax. Uh, we would rather cut over and over again with a dull blade rather than stopping and sharpening uh, the axe and, and being able to do more. Uh, that's just how we are. Here's a, here's a litmus test for you. How many of you get bitter every Sunday when you drive by Chick-fil-A and see that it's closed? You're thinking, right now, I... You know what would make today great are some delicious chicken strips. Why are they taking a day off? I need today my delicious chicken. And you're frustrated. Why do they get a day off? I need this. I want this. And you can say, oh, okay, I'm a little high strung right now uh, over this. You feel it. You're shaking the pinging. You're about to blow up. John Ortberg writes this. He says, many people in our day and many people in this room have entered into a way of life that is toxic to your soul. That has the potential to destroy your spirit and sap the life out of you. Uh, if your whole life is just a rushed, unblinking movement from task to task, if you find yourself constantly running on fumes, trying to cram more into your days, if there's nothing more in your life than just increasing its speed, you're going to pay a real serious price. You and I know that we need to slow down for our health. You and I know, we know it here, that if we slowed down, we'd probably be more effective at the things that we want to be good at. But here's our big idea today, and I think it's a very, very important part of slowing down. We need to slow down enough to be trained by Jesus. We need to slow down enough to be trained by Jesus. Here's what I want to show you today. Uh, we are under, in this theme called under construction. We're thinking about this unique way in which God builds his life in us. And I, I love, now, before it drives you crazy, um, those of you who are parents of kids that went to vacation Bible school, um, before this, this song makes you lose your mind, let it get into your heart a little. The title song, Under Construction, says this, that we are under construction. It says, uh, God came into my heart. He's given me a brand new start. Now that I'm his daughter or son, my life with him has only begun because he's working in me. He's working in you. Wait and see just what he will do. I love it. Brilliant words to our kids. Now, we're putting this message in our kids. Embrace it, okay? You have become a son or daughter and your life with him has begun. So, Eternal life means never-ending life. It's a life we have. It's an abundant life that never ends. He's building his life in you. And what we've been talking about these last weeks, we've been looking at things like the things that he needs to destroy, demolish. But, but he does that to create room to build better things, wonderful things. 
like better relationships or uh, character, the kind of Christ-like character that we have. Or uh, today, we're going to talk about the kind of rhythms uh, that we need to, to do well, to be healthy people. Next week, we'll talk about prayerfulness. There's all these kinds of things that he can now build in, in the place of our destructiveness. So this morning, we want to talk about building better rhythms in our life. So I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. There's Bibles in front of you, page 1008. If you don't own a Bible, please take that as our gift. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to read just a couple verses. Uh, we want to look at, focus in on verse, starting at verse 30. So as you're turning there, let me just set this passage up for you. At the beginning of Mark 6, we see this, that Jesus, there, there's, his, uh, his popularity is growing, his movement is growing, and he is being very effective in his teaching and, his, and the miracles that he's doing. But now he takes his 12, he puts them in groups of two, and he sends them out. He gives them authority. Uh, he wants them to, to, to preach and to share, to call people to repent, to turn back to God. And they're going to have his power. The things they've seen him do, they, he is saying, I, now you watch me do it. I just want you to know, you're going to have authority to do these same kind of things. So I don't know how you would feel if you were in that group, but he sends them out. Six different teams, they go out. And, and the, the power of what's happening through Jesus' ministry and now through these six teams is so powerful that even the king, King Herod, who had just previously killed John the Baptist, thinks that maybe John has come back to life, that all these miracles are, can be attributed to John coming back to life and this power that's there. I mean, it, there's a buzz, for sure. There's a buzz. And so they, are, they're, they go and they're being effective, all these kinds of things. So look at what happens in verse 30, what, what it says. It says this, that the apostles gathered around Jesus. They reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now think about this for a moment. So the 12 come back. They are sharing the stories. There's, it has been... Very, very successful. So much so that the people from the villages are coming for more. They want more. They want to hear more. They want to see more. They want to experience more. And there's incredible demand. So much so that they can't even slow themselves down to stop and to eat and to rest. So be honest for a second. What would you do if in your business field opportunities, it, it took off. I mean, it took off so much so that the demand was so strong that you couldn't even stop to eat. What would you do? Hire more employees, buy a bigger warehouse, uh, figure out how to expand on the web. Uh, I, I started thinking about what would I do? I would start, more people are coming, more people are coming, start more services. We'd have a one o'clock service, a five o'clock service. We'd have a Saturday night service, two Saturday night service. We'll have a Thursday night service instead of rehearsal. We'll just make that into a service and we'll build the plane while we fly it. We'll just have more, more, more service. Like, do you feel that? If you had the opportunity, if, 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 your, if your success gave you the opportunity, what would you do? You would chase it, right? You would chase more, more, more. That's our rhythm. 
And Jesus does something different. Notice what Jesus does, and I promise you it's going to make you uncomfortable. He says this. He stops. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. In the midst of the popularity, in the midst of the success, they stopped. They rested. They got in a boat together, and I don't know what it was like, but they pushed off from the crowds, and they, they just went. Now, I'm guessing this. Some of them went, oh, wow, thank you. Others of them were thinking, what are you doing? Are you crazy? We've been working so hard. It's, it's working. Why are we leaving this opportunity? Maybe they're telling more stories. Maybe they're, whatever it is. But they, notice what, Je- it's important to Jesus is that they get away. Here's the first thing I want you to see today is this. Jesus is compassionate with our fatigue. Jesus is compassionate with our fatigue. Why slow down? Why slow down enough to be trained by Jesus? Because Jesus sees the effect of fatigue and he's compassionate. He sees its problem. We don't do well with fatigue, do we? We keep pushing. We keep striving. We keep building. And here's the thing. What we're seeing more and more, we have more and more as a result of it, more and more stress in our lives. And here's what we know about stress. That 70, maybe plus percent of medical issues that you and I are facing are somehow can be traced back to stress. We're, we're destroying ourselves. We're, we're, we're pushing through. We're breaking down our immune system. All these things. In fact, uh, this idea, the word stress, it it's actually comes from a Latin word, which means to be drawn tight. That's how some of you feel today. You just feel tight. You've been drawn to this place. We don't stop. And especially when success is on the line, We just don't stop. What do you call a billionaire who's blown through three marriages and has alienated all his kids? A success, right? Isn't that how our our society thinks of it? That's how we celebrate people like this. And you and I know that's how we think. That's that's how it is. And yet we see that's that's not the rhythm of Jesus. That's not how he thinks. That's not God's rhythm. Jesus had a different uh, rhythm, and I think we need to learn from this. Often, for Jesus, his ministry was successful. It was, it was, it was popping. It was, it was just buzzing. And Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says it this way. It says that he often, says that he would often leave. He would go away to a solitary place. The word often is very important because it means this. There was a pattern. Jesus had a pattern that even when things were were working really well, he would stop, pull away from the crowds, go be alone in silence and in solitude with God and just be in his presence. He had a different rhythm. This was a different rhythm that he had and he was very intentional about it. Why was he this way? Because Jesus knows something. He knows that the never-ending list of genuinely good and important things, they never cease. There will never really be an end to it. Look at verse 33, what happens. But many who saw them leaving, recognized them, ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Isn't that how your life is? That no matter, even if you do try to pull away, 
what's on the other side of the lake? The crowds. They'll be waiting for you. So even if you do get a break, the crowds are going to be waiting for you. See, uh, those of you who have young kids, you know if you can somehow trick them into taking a nap so that you can actually get a nap. What's on the other side of the nap? More demands from a two-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, and your life is going to get hectic all over again. What's going to happen, those of you who have clients and reports and whatever, if you, if you try to wait till that moment when it stops, what's on the other side of stopping from your clients and your reports and your meetings? More clients and reports and meetings. School starting this month. Anyone who's a student, and certainly all of you who are teachers know this, homework, tests, Grading, when you finally take a break from that, what's on the other side of all that? More homework, more tests, more grading. Okay, it's all going to be, it's, there's never going to be a time where it all ends, it's just perfect time, and Jesus seems to know this. And so we see even in the midst of everything going on, Jesus had a rhythm where he'd pull away, he'd stop, and he would find time in silence and solitude to be with God. He's compassionate about how we feel. He's compassionate about these things. So notice that he, he feels these things. Jesus once said this. He said it this way. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is there a better way? Is there a way to, to somehow build this rhythm? Something that can build this rhythm in us? Is there something we can practice to help us? Here, I, I think there's a lot of things, but I just want to focus on one thing today to help you uh, try to think a little bit more about this. And it's what the Bible calls Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath, or, or we'll, we'll kind of see is kind of ta- it's taking a day off. I want you to see there's a rhythm to God's uh, creative work. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all his work of creating that, uh, of creating that he had done. When we enter into a time of Sabbath, it means this. Number one that we stop and rest. We need to stop and rest. Why did, why did God invite us to this idea of Sabbath rest? Because you need to stop and rest. The word Sabbath literally means to cease. It means to stop. Sabbath means to stop and rest. And it's, it's very interesting, I think, for us that what we see is this was uh, something that God gave as a blessing. Now, notice that there, there's this pattern. So when, when, uh, when God was done with his creative work, however long it took him, he wasn't like a, an NBA player at the free throw line at the end of the fourth quarter grabbing his shorts like, oh my, that was so much work. He wasn't like, t- he didn't need the rest. Notice what he did. He, he finished and every day, remember, there's this sense of it's good, it's good, it's good. It's very good. But notice on that, on that other day, that seventh day, he stops. He, it says that he made it holy. He sets it apart as a day for us to rest and to delight in. I, 
this was something that became a commandment. So the commandments were given in two places. So remember, the people of God were trapped as slaves. They were, they were rescued out of slavery. They were brought into this promised land. So right as they're getting ready, in the beginning of their, their journey, they're given these commandments, these laws. The, one of the commandments is to observe, this, uh, observe the Sabbath. Observe this day off. Make it a commitment. Set it apart. Make it holy. Okay, up until that point, that hadn't been the case. Now, Deuteronomy is the other place where the law is given. And I want you to hear it explained to them. So in Deuteronomy, they're just about ready to go into the promised land. And there's kind of a theme in Deuteronomy, and the theme is remember. So before you go in and start this whole new life, the goal is, hey, there's some things I want you to remember. Listen how he tells them to remember to observe the Sabbath, to stop, to take a day where you stop from all your work. Notice what he says. He says, uh, uh, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so, uh, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So notice what he does. He says to them, uh, this is a command. Think about what, what their life had been up to that point. They had been slaves. They didn't know what it was like to ever stop. Their, their life was ceaseless work, building someone else's empire. That's all they knew. And so when God was giving them a, a commandment to, here's what I want as part of the rhythm of your life. Take a day and stop. Stop from working. And, and, let, and everyone, everyone across the board, just stop and rest. And notice he says, remember Remember what I did. Remember what I pulled you out of. So the, the purpose of this is not to make your life more miserable. The purpose of this was to bless you, to love you, to refresh you, to, to, uh, to give you life. And he invites them to this. Now think about all the commandments. All the commandments, there's something very interesting uh, for us. I don't ever, I don't ever really hear uh, thankfully, people bragging about breaking the commandments like that I just stole something or killed someone or committed adultery. Like people don't brag about uh, breaking commandments, do they? Except this one, right? You brag about this. You brag about, man, I have not taken a day off in weeks. Like I'm working 14 hour a day. And it's like a bag of courage, a badge of courage in our, in our culture to work hard, to keep going, to keep driving. And yet we see God saying, look, that's not the rhythm I have for your life. The rhythm I have for you involves stopping, resting, catching your breath, delighting, enjoying. But that's not how we see this. See, you and I, you and I still find ourselves trapped in a form of slavery. We are still committed to building empires. We're committed to building our empire or our boss's empire. And so we never stop. And we keep taking emails and calls and things well after our work hours. We keep, keep going, going, building someone else's empire. We just don't say stop. Or our kids. 
We're trying to build their empire. We want them to, to win and achieve and strive and build and climb and rinse and repeat and do it again. And if you look at, I mean, it's fascinating actually that, that young people today, that especially like in the sports world, most of the injuries are related to rest. That we're just over, we're overtaxing kids. They're having injuries to growth plates and to other parts of their bodies that just are not getting a, a chance to rest. We are not giving them a chance to rest. Or maybe it's our reputation. I need to show people that I did it or I'm doing it or my kids are doing it or I'm planning on doing it. And we, we just keep, we're trying to build, build, build that empire. And if your heart is consumed with empire building, you will never stop. You will never rest. So what is it that is not letting you rest? Can you name it? Can you figure out what is it that makes me keep going, keep going, keep driving, keep pushing? What is it? Now, for me, it was fear. So uh, when I first started in this role, uh, every Friday, see, every sermon sounds awesome on Tuesday. On Friday, it sounds like the dumbest thing. You, you think, oh man, I'm going to ruin all of Christianity with this one sermon. Like you, you just think it's, and, you, and so I would panic. I would just, I mean, literally, I could feel it in my body. The tension, the, the, getting, the tightening up. And I would, I would just like, Lord, why did you pick me for this? This is, I'm, I, I can't do it. So every Friday, I'd have this sense of panic. And so one of the things I had to do was to make a commitment to stop and to rest. So every Friday... I don't, I don't look at the sermon. I don't touch the sermon. I don't, I don't, I don't even, I try not to even think about it. It's just a discipline to not touch it. And, and part of that is a formula. Uh, the formula is this, that six days plus God is greater than seven days of bill. I, I just think that to be true. It's kind of like why I tithe. I think that 90% plus God is worth more than 100% of mine. I think that formula works better. And I will say there's a piece that has come as a result of that. And I think my family feels that. And I hope you feel that. But there's, there's a sense that, that uh, what is it? And for me, I had to think it was reputation. I, am not, I cannot stop working towards building that. What is it for you? What empire are you building? Jesus saw the people. They were just worrying. They were stressed. They were just striving all the time. And he said it this way. He said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things, all the other stuff you worry about, they'll be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus said, look, stop with the empire building. Focus on the kingdom, not your empire. And so we need to learn to stop and rest uh, and remember, and here's the last thing I want you to see that as a part of this, that we need to worship and delight. Worship and delight. Jesus had a pattern for him. So as he would enjoy Sabbath rest, one of his patterns was you would see him in a time like this. He would come into the synagogue and they would read scripture and they would pray and they would sing and they would be together. That, that was a part of his, his pattern was worship. It was, a, it was a part of what he saw. Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath means to worship and to delight in God. So I, there, there certainly can be uh, some sense of value of resting where you 
binge on Stranger Things 2 when it comes out or whatever it is you're going to do. Different things that just like, oh, I just needed that. But what you will see is longing, lasting, that will not satisfy your soul. It will not allow you to remember who God is and remember what he's done and anticipate what he's going to do, what's going to refresh you, what's going to allow your heart to be reset. That moment in the beginning of the service, just thinking through that as Brian led you through, where you're thinking about the greatness of his work in your life and you're trying to uh, uh, be drawn into it. And the potential that something like this has to hit reset, to make you realize that you are an eternal being and that how you measure up in all those other places is... It's a part of you, but that's not you. This, this is really important. It was important to Jesus, and it needs to be important to us. Uh, Julia Funt writes this. She says, we are 100% exertion, 0% reflection. That's just how we are now. We just keep driving through. And in worship, we reflect, we remember that God is for us, that God is with us, that God is able and we hit reset in our heart, and, our, and we have perspective of what is truly north. It's like a, it's just setting the compass right. Listen to uh, the prophet Isaiah says it this way. He told, he told the people, look, if you will keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. Now, I don't know if you can see the conditional promise there, but there's this sense that if, if you will find your rest in the Lord, he will fill your heart with joy, you will triumph. You, he will lead you forward. And so uh, in this time, there's something about stopping together, uh, of being together in a time like this. Now, I, here's why I share this in part. In part is this, again, is a rhythm that's changing in our culture. So uh, in our culture and with football season about to begin, it's gonna, you'll see it. Okay, uh, The average person, committed Christian, only... Uh, comes together, and I realize I'm preaching to the choir because you're the ones here, but you only, we only come to church about once every two times, uh, about 50%. Uh, and so out of 52 weeks, you're about 26 weeks. That's the average that they say. And it's going down, that we're moving to about once in every three weeks. And so we're getting to this place where, again, we are refreshing ourselves. And I get it. We live in Huntington Beach. We have a beautiful beach. We have mountains. Of, I mean, I get it. The idea of being refreshed by creation, all these things. But notice again a pattern in Jesus' life. There's something very good and right, not just about taking a break, but by getting with God, centering your life on God. Now, as you try to think through these things, remember there's a, there were a lot of people who really screwed this up, even in Jesus' day. So they get mad at Jesus because he would heal on the Sabbath because he was doing work, but they would plot murder. So again, a lot of people get, they get really messed up when they try to figure out what you can and can't do in something like this. Some of you work uh, on certain days. You're trying to figure out how you take it. Like I, this is a work day for me. So I have to figure out like how our staff, we figure out like Friday's a day off, but we also want like this is super important to us. And the rest of the day is super important to us. And we try to protect some of those things. So figuring this out, just remember these words. 
Jesus said this, that Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It is not meant to be a burden on you. It is meant to be a delight. For me, here's a, here's a, perfect, here's, here's a beautiful Sunday for me. Being here with you, laughing, singing, uh, sensing God was with us. Like just, the, just being together where you just sense, oh man, it was so good for us to be together today. And then I go home and I crash. Like I take the hardest nap. Like I, I pass out for like 90 minutes. Don't call or anything because I'm gone. I'm just, I'm so tired after today. And then I wake up and, and the best is, uh, well, friends that will call. They'll set up childcare. We'll go to dinner together. We'll laugh. We'll tell stories. They bring up work. It's like, nope, not talking about, let's just tell more stories. Let's laugh. And like that to me is such a refreshing day of God's life and purpose and all those kinds. And I don't know what it is for you. Someone said today, man, I wanted to go away and just get away. And I just felt guilty that I was going to do it. And so she said, so I'm getting in my car. Like being here this morning was important. Now I'm, I'm off. I'm like, get out of here. Stop talking to me. Go enjoy the rest of this day. And so I don't know whether Sunday can work or however it is, but is there a way that you can build a rhythm of rest and delight uh, in that. Uh, it used to be for me sometimes even just sitting, watching my kids play baseball. That was rest, refreshment. As long as my identity didn't get built into their performance, uh, there's different things that you will see. So every week we're giving you a spiritual discipline, something to practice, something to train in. Here it is this week. It is this, silence and solitude. Okay, Jesus had a pattern, even in the midst of busy moments, successful moments, he drew away to be alone and quiet before the Father. This week, I want to encourage you to try to find, maybe you even interrupt a really successful part of a day, but I want you to try to spend just a little time being silent, being alone with just God. You can take a Bible, you can take maybe a journal, but don't take a bunch of books and don't try to like, overachieve during that time, like I'm just going to impress God with all my devotion. Just be with him, okay? Don't try to do a bunch of stuff. Just be with him. So here, let's practice this right now. So uh, up on the screen is just going to be a directive prayer. Let's let the, let the, the directions lead you, and then we'll sing and we'll close.